Bonjour, hello, and happy Friday, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Finn's Fanfare Friday, volume 14, I believe. Super excited to be with you all. After what was a relatively non-eventful July 4th, I was with Justin on July 4th, so I know what he was sort of up to. But before we just get everything rolling football-related, um, Nick, I'm going to start with you. Give me just one morsel, one scrumptious thing that happened this July 4th. Can be food-related, maybe not. Emphasis on scrumptious. Tell me something good that happened July 4th weekend. Something good that happened July 4th weekend. My goodness. Um, well, I can tell you it was exactly like every other weekend for the past three months. Um, there were there were people blowing stuff up outside of that. Not like blowing up like fireworks. Not like blowing up cars. It wasn't like a riot. Um, one thing that was good, I can't... I can't even tell you. You know, listen, we actually we got Tucker Dukes for the first time, which is an incredible hamburger. If you never got that, that's that's a good burger. Is. It's a good burger. Oh, that was good. I remember what I got, but it was it was like it was one of those things where it, it was it was like spicy and it the next day was terrible. It was fantastic. Justin, what about you? Well, I was with you, so great weekend of course with family. My girlfriend was there. No, your girlfriend was there, so it was just it was uh it was, uh, it was a nice weekend with Shout friends out to and Jules family. No, and Shani, making no it a good complaints. weekend. Yeah. Something that we we saw, which was kind of crazy in the distance, was people really wanted to get their firework game on. And there were like eight-year-old children blowing up genuine, like not like popper, like real fireworks. It was very alarming, but they were surprisingly proficient them. at it. It was good pretty incredible. Um, so that was, that was pretty crazy. What we're going to do today is not a whole lot. <laughs> we're going to be getting right into our Q&A. But before we do that, I'm actually going to do a sort of part one to our wild card question. I'm going to do three football trivia questions for the two of you. Ooh. I'd love to see what answers like you okay. come up with. Um, so we can do it buzzed in. I want Paid to do Manning. visual, but there you go. It's got to be an answer somewhere. I want to do something <laughs> visual, but I can only see one of you at once. So let's buzz in. You can use your name to buzz in. Um, and let's just get started. We're going to do three questions. Okay, we have cool. to let him finish the question. We have to let him finish yes. the question. So you have to let me finish the question. So um, I just say my name and that... that yeah. How, okay. That is correct. Okay. What if I say okay. Justin's name by mistake? If, okay, hold on though. There's a caveat here. <laughs> if you... That was funny. If you say your name, you want to say it confidently because you lose half a point if you say your name and get the question wrong. So you have to be quick, certainly, but you only want to buzz in if you know the answer. So oh, when, you, when you said confidently, I thought you meant like with a question mark, like Nick, <laughs> like with that implied. Nick's, Nick's just got all the jokes today. He's got all the jokes. I'm on fire today. Okay, question one: Which NFL team holds the record for the longest regular season winning streak in the NFL? Nick. The Patriots. Question mark at the end. It is not the New England Patriots. So I, really? I have a feeling it goes from one season into the next season. It does I, go from one I season. I have into the absolutely next no idea. So I'm just gonna let Nick take the negative half point and I'm just gonna coast on my zero. Can I can okay. I go double or nothing? Because I have you a can second try to guess. answer again for one you point. You can go double or nothing. Point. You can go double or nothing. Okay, so uh, do I have to say my name? Nick? Uh, the Packers. Oh, it's not the Packers either. Oh, wow. It is the Indianapolis Colts. They won nine straight games at the end of the 2008 season and started the 2009 season with 14 straight wins, which was a total of 23 consecutive regular season wins. Hmm. Oh, you okay. know what I was thinking? I remember seeing a newspaper article from when the Patriots won their first 
or their second well, Super so Bowl. This and question that's, that's when it was in the is going to be an interesting question. What is the longest winning streak in professional football, regular and postseason? And Nick? Should be I'm, a I'm going to go guys. with the Patriots, yeah. The it Patriots. is the Patriots. 21 games. The Patriots during the 2003-2004 seasons. Okay. So Nick's now at zero. Justin the is... Colts got... What is... You said the Colts had 25. Okay. No, because the playoffs. Playoffs. Correct. But you just so this the... was... The... Oh, 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 but this, okay. This was okay. straight. Okay. This... Okay. Sorry. I know okay. it's a little confusing. And I'm being lame. I'm not even going for it. I got is... But now Nick's back in zero. So Nick has, Nick has, Nick has okay, played but, against himself But okay, Nick's Nick now has that zero. We're now tied again. So You are tied again, which makes the last round very interesting. So, last question. Who was the last left-handed quarterback to start and win... An NFL playoff game. Justin. Yes, recognize. Sorry. Vic? It was not Michael Vick. Ooh, that was my In guess. the last um, round, I'm sorry. You both have to go for it. If neither person wins, we're going to roll it over into next week. Well, why don't we just uh, keep answering on. until one of us gets it? Because I, I only have three questions in front of me. No, 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 but going back and forth, now Nick gets a stab. Oh, then that's, then I get a stab you know what? That's actually much smart. See, we're thinking on the fly. That's why you Look have the 4.0. 4.0 game right there. Uh, the only other... I can't think of another left-handed quarterback that would have won a playoff game before... Did Mike... Hmm, now, now I'm questioning whether or not Mike Vick actually won playoff games. I will give a hint... At the end of so, if we don't get it here, I'll give one hint, and then we'll keep so I'm going. gonna go. I'm gonna go Steve Young. Okay, it is not Steve there. Young. It is within the last decade. You have to buzz in again. Who was left-handed and won a playoff game? Who's left-handed and played in a playoff game in the last decade? I feel like I'm missing someone really obvious. Yeah, I feel like I am too. Trevor, give us the team, and then we'll try to buzz in. The team is the Denver Broncos. Tim Tebow. Oh, Nick, Tim Tebow. It is Tim Tebow. Dang Tim it. Tim Tebow is the final answer. In 2011, the Broncos beat forg- the Steelers. I forgot he was a quarterback. That 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 <laughs> was a, that was more obvious than I feel like it should have been since you both, then we both missed it. Okay, that segment Damn. was certainly fun for me. I would love to hear on Twitter if anybody else found that interesting. If you did find it interesting, we will be carrying it on to next thing. week. Certainly yeah. fun for me. Okay, let's get It wasn't into Dolphins related particularly, but you know, whatever. It was not Dolphins that related. That was fun it's though. Not... Let's do it again. Okay, we'll keep doing it. We're going to get into now the more important Q&A, which is from all of you guys. So hitting my microphone. Oh, shout out to Justin. Justin, I did not know was handy. He actually, I took, completely took apart the microphone because I wanted to bring it on vacation with us. And Justin was somehow able to put it back together. It's missing some bolts and stuff. So I think it's, it's going to fall apart fall on you apart. at some point. But yeah, just but don't, I, no sudden movements. I'm not, yeah, as I smack it. So thank you, Justin, for that. But. Without any further ado, let's get into the Q&A. Uh, just as a reminder, questions are submitted through the Twitter pick up or at pick up the Blitz Twitter account. So, first question. At Big Bean Brand, thank you for being a returning questionnaire. We appreciate it. Which Dolphins units will be our biggest strength and our biggest weakness next season? My guess is secondary is strength, offensive line is weakness. Let's start with Justin. Do we agree, disagree, modify? What do we think here? Just to clarify, the tweet said that they thought that those would be the strengths and weaknesses. Not you, right? I definitely do not have an opinion yet on this question, so All that right, was the tweet. Sure. <laughs> no, so in terms of weakness, I, I I'm, I'm going to go there first. I think just because I think it's it's the most um, you know clear answer in the O line. 
Uh, I mean, the unit is young. It's new. There are four new starters on that on that offensive line. It's going to be shaky. Um, there's no question about it. There, there's really there's really no debate in that. It's probably going to start off pretty shaky. And and hopefully, given the talent and the potential in you know first round pick Austin Jackson, second round pick Robert Hunt, you know free agent acquisition Eric Flowers, it gels. Um, and it starts to hit its stride and get going. But week one, I have a feeling that that offensive line is going to be the weakest unit on the team. Um, strength, I'm going to throw a wild card out there. And, and you know, I, I, I think the defensive side of the ball is, is really where to pick from there just because there's so much talent, so much money there. But I'm really excited about this running game. I'm really excited about Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and potentially a sprinkle of Malcolm Perry, hopefully no Kalen Balazs, and just being <laughs> able to see... See what that unit could do. You have a guy in Jordan Howard who's, t- I think, top three in yards gained on the ground since he joined the NFL. You have a guy in Matt Breida who is the fastest ball carrier in the NFL, surpassed Tyreek Hill uh, in each of the last two years and fastest play. Um, so a guy, a guy who can catch out of the backfield. This is such a complimentary duo. Uh, Matt Breida has a ridiculous yards per carry average from his days in San Francisco. And so I just, if the offensive line can be relatively, I think Trevor's, on the phone. If, if, he is on the, the phone. He is if the, the if the offensive line can gel somewhat in the middle, um, especially in that interior, I, I think this running game could be really, really exciting. Um, and then Nick, I'm going to do Trevor's job and toss it to you since he had to meet him. So I I I think that the obvious answer is the is the uh, the offensive line because as you said, we've got a bunch of rookies and a bunch of new guys kind of starting, uh, which is obviously going to take them a lot of time to gel. And you know, I can't really. I'm trying to think of a position group that I'd be more concerned about going into the season, and I don't think there is one. Um, I think that's the biggest question mark. We just don't know. Like I've said, I said a couple times. You said it a couple times. If this offensive line will be good in a year or two. We just don't know what next year is going to look like. So it's hard to really say that anyone else is as big of a question mark. Um, uh, when it comes to the strength, I think the secondary is a good one. Um, I'm excited about the running back core, but I'm going to go a different. I'm going to go maybe like a kind of a sleeper pick here. I'm going to go with the receiving group. Um, just really? because, yeah, really, I, I was thinking about defensive line, but I'm trying to go with something that people might not be thinking about. I think this receiving group, if all goes according to plan and you get solid contributions from all of them, could be very, very good. We already know Devontae Parker is one of those top guys uh, in 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 the AFC, in the, in the league. Uh, and I think Preston Williams showed us a lot last year that makes me feel like he is going to be a very productive number two receiver. And if you can get Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant kind of moving effectively and kind of increasing on their totals and having a better uh, season overall, I really could see this receiver group emerge as a, as a strength for this team. You know, I, Trevor, did you just put something? <laughs> I think Trevor just no. put a tripod. Honestly, I can't tell based on the zoom. He did put a tripod on his head. That was mad. I wasn't even paying Nick, attention. I thought you were going to break out laughing, but I don't think you saw it. I, Nick, I, I was no, hoping I didn't. He I've been, would, I've been watching did. this guy. Like this guy just keeps walking back and forth in front of these like all the apartments. This is weird. I'm just keeping my eye on him as I talk about wide receivers <laughs> for the Dolphins. Are you like? Is this like you're gonna have to like duck all of a sudden? Like he's gonna? No, he's gonna I don't. No, I just, I just like. I'm, I'm like, starting to walking around for, for bro. Anyway, no, no, no. the receipt. <laughs> You said receiving core. It's funny you say that because that was one of the first things that came to mind when I was trying to think of a weakness on the team outside of offensive line. And the reason being, having nothing to do with the potential in this group. It's just the the reliability of this receiving core, given the injury history of Albert Wilson, of Jakeem Grant, of, of Preston Williams, given last year's injury, and Devontae Parker. This unit, 
I think it's what you call the epitome of boomer bust on this team. So oh, it, for sure. I think I, I if they all stay healthy, these guys are all healthy, absolutely a strength. You have a bona fide wide receiver one in Devontae Parker. You have a wide receiver two in Preston Williams, who has showed all the potential in the world in the first half of last season. And you have a game-breaking threat in Albert Wilson, if they're all healthy. If they're all healthy. And so, I, I honestly, no, I, I, I like the pick as a strength, if they can stay healthy. It's 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 really boomer bust. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things too, where you know, if if there's injuries to any one of these units, it's going to it's going to hurt the overall right. impact that they're going to have. So I, I agree. You know, there's injury concerns, but I tried to mix it up a little bit with a sleeper pick. So my sleeper strength is going to be the the receiver group. Okay, I'm going to move us to question two, just because we're a little bit pressed for time today. This is my favorite question of the week. It's actually from a new listener, so thank you very much for asking your question. Uh, at Tim OSU two asks, what decade long issue will finally be solved this season? And you can only argue one: is it poor offensive line play, stopping the run, third down conversions, or reliable run game? So I'll go ahead and start and make it very easy. I think that the reliable run game is going to be the easiest uh, thing for this Dolphins team to fix going into this season. Uh, we just talked about how we don't know what the offensive line is going to do, so it's obviously not that one. Um, stopping the run, I, th- I think you can make an argument for, given some of the pieces that have been brought in, both through the draft and free agency. Uh, and I think that also extends into conversions. But I think where you're going to see the biggest turnaround is going to be this running game because the running game has been rough for the last few years um and i think that like justin already talked about in his uh in what he was saying about the strengths you know you brought in a couple of guys who are just super uh exciting super good quality uh running backs to help bolster this team i think the running the running game is going to be very good next year that's my that's my pick i you know given the fact obviously that i just said the greatest strength on this team might be the running back room i like that pick my only concern in it being the one thing that's absolutely turned around is that for this running back room to be successful, despite the fact that it's a great strength on the team in terms of its talent, the offensive line might need to gel. And so I think that's a great pick given the potential in the running back room, but I'm a little bit worried at least to start the season. I think by the end of the season, it might be different, but at least to start the season, um, I'm, I'm worried about how the interior of this offensive line gels. And so when the question is what issue will finally be resolved, it could be that reliable run game. Because by the end of the season, if that offensive line is still healthy and has gelled, then I think this running game could really take off as the season goes on. I'm going with stopping the run really because of the influx of talent, not only on the defensive line, but in the linebacking core too. So not only do you bring in Raekwon Davis, who's this maybe low floor, but really high ceiling defensive tackle um, out of Alabama in the second round. You have Christian Wilkins, who was one of the most talented rookie defensive linemen last season, most productive rookie defensive lineman last season. Hopefully he takes another step. You have the perennially underrated Devon Godshaw um, also there on the line. So underrated. We need to, we need to like, we need to make it a, a pick up the blitz uh, like focus over the next few weeks to get Devon Godshaw to like shout us out or something, because we love him on this show. Yeah, and this is a guy who, because he's been surrounded by some lackluster talent, hasn't gotten the attention he deserves. But this is someone who's who's really steadily contributing every single week and has been pretty healthy throughout his career as well. So you have those three uh, those three guys rotating. You also bring in Emmanuel Ogba, who one of the, his hallmarks has not necessarily been his ability to get up get rack up double digit sacks, but to be a reliable edge setter. And so you bring him in on the edge. 
And then you have all these new guys on the uh, in the linebacking group. You have Kyle Van Noy coming in. You have Camus Gruger Hill coming in. Guys who could definitely contribute um, uh, in defending the run. And you have a really, really solid um, run-stuffing linebacker in Raekwon McMillan. So that's my pick there. I'm going to really quick give my pick. I'm going to say third down conversions precisely because of what Justin answered to the last question. We're, I think, going to have quite a stout running attack if everybody stays healthy, and I think we're going to have quite short third down conversions this year. Um, so I'm thinking that obviously that's not going to be a... I don't think it's going to be as much of a change as we see in the next half a decade, but I certainly think it's going to be much more efficient converting third downs. I'm thinking a lot of third and... Not necessarily third and short, third and one, third and two, but maybe third and four, third and five, as opposed to third and eight or nine, which makes, of course, a huge difference statistically. And so I think that that's going to be the biggest change this year. Let's go to question three at Max Moed, another returning questionnaire. Thank you so much. Should the Dolphins use one of their first few picks in next year's draft to draft an Alabama wide receiver or tight end that Tua played with to give him a sort of security blanket? Ooh, I love this question. Justin, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously something that you, you know, are excited about because you want, you know, to, uh, you know that offense was fantastic when Tua was on the field, like record-breaking numbers, familiarity. So I'd say, yeah, sure, why not? Like it, it, it's it could only be a benefit um, to to bring in one of those guys. Whether where you use that pick and where these guys end up falling in the draft, that's up for question, right? We don't even know if the college football season is happening, but um, should that be a possibility? I think absolutely. There's it certainly can't hurt to bring to a guy that he has familiarity with, and there are absolutely some good playmakers on that Alabama offense who are going to be coming in um, over the next year or two in the draft. I would say. I hear the argument for wanting to give to a, a guy that he's familiar with to throw the ball to, and I understand it, and I think it's valid, but it also shouldn't come at the expense of filling another need, right? So if no, there's absolutely not. like if you're if you're choosing between a Alabama receiver or a an, um uh, you know uh, another running back or something that something that presents itself as a bigger need for you next season. Um, then you you can't you can't just pick it just because he knows Tua and he's he's played with Tua before. So if if the opportunity prevents presents itself and it's a good pick, then do it. If it's not a good pick, then you gotta you gotta hope that he develops that uh, chemistry with the guys who are already on the roster. I can already see a couple of these guys that are on there, specifically Mike Kosicki, uh being one of those go to guys for Tua. So I I wouldn't worry too much about him find, needing a go to guy. You gotta draft based on what you need, not based on Tua's familiarity. Okay, we're going to rapid-fire these final two questions. First, at jwoge97 asks, I guess this is a common thought. Should Tua start or should he sit for a season under Fitz? Pros and cons of each. We've touched on this quite a bit uh, in our previous episodes. So, Nick, let's just start with you. Would you mind just quickly reiterating what the thought process was for Tua starting this season? Yeah, I think, listen, pros and cons are pretty simple. Um, I think pros, I think a pro and a con is related to his first year, right? So a pro is you get the experience under center. The more time you have to play football, generally the better you get. The con is you're losing out on that. As I've said many times, I think it's important for Tua to play when Tua is healthy and ready to play. So uh, I don't think that we should, I don't think that Flores should look at Tua as a he's playing this year or he's not. He should look at him as a is he healthy this week if the answer is no, don't play him. Is he is if the answer is yes, then consider it based on what what he has looked like in practice. So I don't think it should be I don't think it should be one of those things where he's either going to be in over the course of the season or he's not, right? One or the other. Let's see how things go week 12 against the Jets. Really look for that to be the the time you see the Tagovailoa era begin. 
Yeah, when we're talking pros and cons of each, obviously the pro of two is sitting is he gets to be fully healthy and he gets to sit and learn behind, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And most importantly, in my opinion, it gives this offensive line, as we've said many times already in this episode, time to gel and time to get together. And you, I don't think you rush to it out there, forget injury, if this offensive line is not ready um, to handle, you know, having a rookie quarterback behind it, I think you might want to wait for that as well. Okay, and our final question, asked by Chris Gaddis 10 Again, your returning questionnaire. Thank you so much. And I love this question. If you could rejig the divisions, who would you like to see in the same division as Miami? I'm going to go first on this question, and I'm going to be the, I hate to say the annoying one here, but I would pick someone like Detroit or Atlanta <laughs> or Las Vegas, somebody who I don't have a whole lot of faith in this year. Uh, I think it gives the Dolphins a good opportunity to win, of course. No, you know what the honest truth is? I think it would be really interesting from that perspective. And then I think it would be interesting also to put like the Bengals in the Dolphins division because to see sort of quarterbacks coming against each other who came up in the same draft, I think it would be very interesting to see them play twice a year. Um, but if I had to pick, I would pick some of the teams that we have said in the last few weeks are on the decline. Boys, what do you think? I- I'm totally with you. I feel like I would have to pick teams that the Dolphins stand a chance against because one of the things that's been you know, tough is that we have to play New England twice a year, and that's been tough the last two decades of Tom Brady's reign over the NFL. Um so I, I, you know, I would obviously pick a uh, one of those weaker teams. You know what? I think if you reshuffled it, I think logically the Dolphins would just find themselves in the AFC South. And if they were in the AFC South, things would be very different from them in terms of divisional outlooks because there is definitely a team in that division that's worse than you in the Jaguars. There are some teams that could present trouble here and there. Uh, you'd have to kick somebody out. So let's just kick Houston out because they might be one of the better teams there. Let's kick them out, and then you know, then you play Indy and the Titans. Or maybe, maybe you should kick Titans out. I don't know. You kick one of them out. It'd be interesting to see them play Ryan Tannehill twice a year. I mean, my yeah. Nick, my initial thought press thought process right away was Jacksonville. It's a team that's geographically very close. It's a team that's never, you know, not very good pretty often. Um, so Jacksonville was my immediate thought. But my second thought was, hey, I'm actually kind of excited for the Dolphins to be in the AFC East. Finally, Brady's gone. Finally, maybe the Dolphins could actually become that next, you know, crown of the division um and have a real fighting shot so um it'd certainly be cool to see i'd probably throw jacksonville in there that's the first thought geographically similar not very good but i'm I'm excited to see what the dolphins could do also in the current afc east maybe finally taking over at some point okay so we're to our wild card question of the day and we're gonna leave it football related today because we didn't have a whole lot of football talk today just because of the shorter footprint of the podcast it's actually gonna sort of relate back to uh it was max Mowitz's question which is if you're drafting a quarterback in the draft if you could bring a one personnel one person one person on the previous college team any person to replace somebody who's currently on the roster who would it be so is it the head coach is it the oc is it the quarterback's coach is it an offensive lineman is it a running back is it a receiver is it a tight end we have to pick one and let's say I don't want to say two because we've already had Nick Saban on the Dolphins, so it's a little bit iffy. But let's not pick a Nick Saban, right? So let's say it's not just a Nick quarterback. Saban. Let's not put it as Tua, or you know what? Let's put it as Tua because it's Finn's fan for Friday. Who are we taking with Tua if we could pick one guy just carte blanche? Who would it be? So I, or what I position? Don't, it doesn't have to be a particular. I don't person. think I'm necessarily picking. Certainly not a head coach. I'm not changing the entire culture of my team because I brought in a quarterback. Especially since I happen to be a big fan of, of Brian Flores. I think most Dolphins fans are. 
when you're picking a quarterback, you know, I think it certainly makes sense to bring in his his best weapon. You know, we talked about potentially them bringing in a weapon like uh, someone from Alabama. Devonta Smith is still there. You know, maybe I would have picked Jerry Judy. Um, but otherwise, I like picking that that quarterback's blindside protector. Um, if I can, especially if it was a good player, I might bring in like a Jedrick Wills. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, I believe two was blindside protector. I, uh, who's the tackle that's there? Is it Leather Leatherwood? Is that the tackle that's still at Alabama? Um, Alex who, Leatherwood? I think so, yeah. That I mean, that's certainly someone I'd think of bringing. Is it Alex Leatherwood? I think it's Alex Leatherwood. I think that's that's the tackle that's still there. Um, so probably either his best weapon or his blindside protector. So that probably would have been Judy or it would have been Wills. Yeah, I actually I'm 100% in agreement, and I know that's super exciting for all of you listeners when we <laughs> just agree on things. But it, it just makes sense if you have a if you have a star quarterback that you're drafting, you want to bring in the guy that's going to help him be the best that he can be. And I I think I would lean towards the the blindside protector because receivers can kind of come and go, and they're still quality players. But quality either you know left or right tackles in, in two is specific uh, circumstances. Um, the, the the peace of mind that that brings, knowing that that nine times nine point five times out of ten he's going to get his guy, um, it really helps you develop, and you don't have to be play scared. And one of the things that happens with young rookie quarterbacks is they develop that fear of getting hit, and then that kind of derails everything. So I think that's I would lean that way as opposed to a weapon. Pick a pick an offensive line, and that can save save his life. Perhaps, perhaps most importantly, as Nick continues to look outside at whoever's stalking the apartment <laughs> There's just complex. so much action. There's just so much stuff going on. It's like people are moving, and there's these weird – just there's so much going on. I just, I'm so fascinated. I would pick an offensive lineman as well because of career longevity. I love the idea of having somebody who's going to be on the team, hopefully just about as long as the quarterback is, obviously not quite as long. Um, but when we're talking about a position, a skill position player, the career longevity is not generally uh, as strong. And as Justin sort of said, and I think this is a really good point, to change up the coaching culture for your quarterback is probably detrimental holistically when you're looking at the team. So I think that's a very good point. And that's all we've got for today. Half an hour, quick, short, and to the point. But we're super excited to be back with you guys to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Of course, we will be back on Monday for our regular Pick Up the Blitz podcast. But until then, thank you so much for spending just a little bit of your Friday morning with us. Looking forward to talking to you next week, guys. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.